All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca podcast. And uh, it is my privilege to have a brand new guest on the show. Leslie Ann Brackney is here with me. Thank you, Leslie Ann, for hanging out with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And we were actually talking uh, just a little bit before we started recording, actually about a variety of things. We were, we were trying to get our, our audio dialed in. Um, we were talking about today's conversation, which I'm going to kind of tease here in just a second. We were also talking about outsourcing and photographers. That so many, get, we, we covered a gamut of topics, if you will. Um, but we, for those of you listening in, today we're going to, we actually are going to get into outs- the topic of outsourcing editing. And more specifically, and I really like this, um, Leslie, and I, th- I think when you actually scheduled the interview with me, you mentioned the notion that you were going to talk about how to get your joy back or how to, to be more joyous as a photographer, which is a really interesting notion. Like I, we could say, hey, you know what? You as a photographer need to outsource editing. Or we could say, hey, I know of a way that you could be much happier as a business owner. By the way, that is through outsourcing one of the most time-consuming elements of your photography business, right? It's kind of an interesting way to, to pitch the idea. Yes, absolutely. Um, I feel like we are drawn to this type of work for passion reasons, and then we end up being um, run by our own businesses. And you're just like, uh, this is not why I started this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I definitely have found ways to kind of bring back the joy and the passion by creating more time in my business for creativity. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Well, and so what we're going to do we're, for everybody listening in, uh, I'll make a couple of notes. Number one, to be clear, this is not going to be one big photographer's edit commercial. We're going to be talking about outsourcing editing. We're also going to be talking about outsourcing ele- other elements of our business. Um, so rest assured that you don't have to listen about, listen to PE or, or hear about PE, the whole conversation. But I think that the principles innate to what we're going to be discussing today will be applicable whether you decide to outsource your editing, your email administration, your album design, accounting, whatever it might be. There's so many different areas of our business that we can potentially delegate to someone else or to another company. And the principles that Leslie Ann is going to share today, I think, are going to be applicable regardless. So stay tuned for that. Um, but Leslie Ann, I want to get into our first question, what is normally our first question here on the show, which has to do with brand position. This is a topic that's not discussed very much in the industry. And so I've kind of taken it on as a personal mission to make sure that uh, we talk about it as much as possible in a really noisy photography industry, noisy in the sense that there are are just thousands and thousands of photographers uh, competing for business. It can be more difficult these days to stand out. And so I, I think that brand position holds a lot of value and that it at least enables us to potentially communicate clearly what makes us different than those around us, uh, those photographers around us. So I'm, I'm actually in your Instagram profile page. It says that you're an Atlanta photographer. So I'm curious, what is your business's brand position? What makes your business unique to your local market? Well, um, I am out of the Atlanta area, which is super saturated with photographers. Yes. Um, <laughs> And um, I feel like I've learned that I am my brand. Like it's me. Like I, um, but I do engagement and wedding photography specifically for, um, for real people. Um, I, I like bright and colorful and a lot of my clients are, um, you know, working professionals. Um, they're in their thirties and I just kind of come at my brand from a friend's perspective. I call myself a, a bridesmaid with a camera. So most of my clients really want someone they know and trust and 
show up and be authentic. And so I market myself that way. You know, everyone has my phone number, so I'm getting text messages. So I'm very accessible kind of boutique type brand. All right. So I'm curious, uh, well, a couple things. So first of all, you talk about the importance of being personal. And, you know, I mean, this has become more and more common concept um, for the photography industry in the last, we'll call it 10 years, maybe even 15 years, be more personal, will be more accessible. In the Atlanta market, are there are photographers in such a big market, maybe not quite as accessible? Is that what enables you to, to come across as different by being so personal? Um, yes, I think that there are certain brands out there that aim for volume. Okay. And my my brand position is actually to keep things small. Like I only book a certain number because I want to be able to provide more time for each client. So I'd never double book. It's always me. So I just am coming at it from that unique perspective where I'm not trying to um, stuff my calendar full of events so much that I can't focus on each couple individually. So I feel like that's kind of what's setting me aside a little bit. Okay. That makes sense. Um, because, and I know that it, it can be, it's funny when there are so many photographers and then we start to try to pick out something to stand out, there's a chance, even that, that thing, that idea that we want to represent or a brand to represent at the end of the day might still be something that somebody else is talking about. So it can be a little bit challenging, especially in as big a market as Atlanta, something else that you say on your homepage. And by the way, for everybody listening in, make sure you go take a look at, at Leslie Ann's website, her work. If you go to Brackney, B-R-A-C-K-N-E-Y photo.co. Um, and we'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And then the same thing on Instagram as well, by the way. But if you go to her homepage, um, scroll down just a little bit and you'll see what I would consider a position statement, engagement and wedding photography. So you, you list your services that captures your unique story and authentic self. And you mentioned earlier the idea that that you photograph real people. You talk here about the idea of an authentic self. What do these What do these words mean as it relates to your brand? So I send out several questionnaires and so um, throughout the process, because I want to make sure that when someone sees their photos, like I want other people to be like, oh my gosh, that is so Rachel and Tommy. You know, I, I want people to, so many times people have come to me and said, I took engagement pictures at a park and the photographer asked me to do this pose and this pose. And we went back and looked and these pictures just, I don't see us in them at all. And that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, uh huh. You know, everybody that I, every wedding I've photographed, while we all have the same elements, like the, the bride walks down the aisle, the, you know, someone gives her away. All of those elements in our standard shot list, you can get, you know, repetitive. I feel like a, a wedding robot at this point where it's like, I don't even have to look at that shot list. But I wanted to find an element in everybody's wedding day that was unique to them because every couple is different. And while I'm like, I've done that pose a hundred times. Yeah. That's the first time they've ever done it. Yep. And so I have to realize that this is their special day. And while I've done it a hundred times, this is their one time. And so I want to find something that's unique with their day that I can capture in a way that I didn't capture it before. Hmm. So it not only brings joy to me to find that moment for them, but it's all new to them. You know. So while I've done the dip pose a hundred times, like how can I bring their unique personality to that moment because everyone smiles different. Everyone giggles. Everyone's got their own inside jokes. Like how can I get in on that? You know, so that I like that. Yeah. 
yeah, how can I get in with that couple? Like I'm their friend and I want to kind of crack open that like unique story within their day. So, yeah, I, I like that phrase that you used. How can I get in on that? It, where, where you become that the person on the inside, right? You know them well enough to know those nuances to then be able to more effectively capture them with a camera. Um, I, I like that. I think you phrased that really, really great. Well, let's keep moving because we have a lot to cover. Okay. <laughs> um, talk to me about customer experience. And actually, it might very well relate to what we were just talking about. But I'm curious as a business owner, by the way, how long have you been a, a photography business owner? So this is my fifth year. Okay. Um, yes. So, so in that time yeah. frame, then, what would you say would be the biggest principle or most important principle that's been the most effective, I should say, uh, as a photographer for delivering a really great customer experience? Um, I would definitely say communication. Okay. Um, so I, uh, like right early in my business, I started taking advice from a lot of different places. Like I was like a sponge just soaking up information from different podcasts and different books. And everyone was like, set up your customer relations management system, your CRM, set that up, get all of your emails, get everything and start learning how to communicate effectively in the very beginning. So I kind of started doing, instead of like plowing myself into like grabbing up all the customers I could, I tried to set my business up so that when it did kick off and get started, I would have a system in place to take care of those clients. Yeah. And so I, um, I use HoneyBook. And so um, I use HoneyBook and I set up all these things and it's not perfect. And I'm still going in and like tweaking and making things um, better and improving things um, as their system improves. Um, but I would definitely say um, the fact that it's on my phone and I'm able to get that email and get back to them within 24 hours and communicate, I guess, is the biggest. Um, I don't know. Did I answer your question? No, I, I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious when it comes to communication, because first of all, uh, I guess responsiveness, right? A quickness yes. and response using a system like HoneyBook that gives you the tools uh, to be able to, whether you're at, at your office or you're on the go, be able to quickly and efficiently respond. I think that's super important. And I love that you talk about putting those systems in place before things even got busy. I think a lot of photographers, um, and, and you know, we, we talk about this idea of outsourcing editing. When it comes to outsourcing editing, for example, that is a thing that many photographers, they say, well, when I get busy, dot, 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 right? Uh, right. When I get busy, I'll do that thing. But whether it's delegation, um, you know, slash outsourcing, we can kind of use those words interchangeably at this point. Whether it's delegation, uh, or it's setting up workflows. These are all things that are actually good to put in place right away. Because to your point, Leslie, and I don't know that any photographer has, has highlighted it quite as, as wonderfully as you have in this way. If you have those systems in place, what it enables you to do once business picks up is just it's to fly, um, to be able to scale effectively in a way that other photographers who haven't put those systems in place, they're going to have to kind of play catch up, right? They, they get right. super, super busy, potentially burned out in the process. And they're like, oh, shoot, now I should get a CRM or now I should start delegating my editing work or my album design or these other things because now I'm, quote, busy enough. The reality is if we go ahead and invest time and a little bit of money up front, put the systems in place, it'll set us up for success, not just immediately, but in the long run, big picture. And that's mm -hmm. what's super important to keep in mind. I love that you highlight that. You know, part of that, listening to the podcast and kind of getting advice from veteran photographers and telling them saying, like, set that up. Another thing was like every hour you work in your business, like that decreases your 
your profitability. And I got to thinking like, okay, where am I spending the most time in my business? That's not making me money. And I thought to myself, I spend hours at my computer calling, editing, and I'm like, and I'm not enjoying it at all. I'll put an iPad next to me and play friends. And next thing I know, I'm watching that same friends episode (laughs) 10 times and I haven't edited a thing. And then I'm out of time and I'm like, am I, I don't enjoy the editing process enough to like really get into it, you know? So I was like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time and I was delivering weddings around in like the eight to 10 weeks and my competitors were delivering them in 30 days. I'm like, how are they doing that? How are they having four weddings a month and delivering things in 30 days? Like I can't even keep up with that. I don't even want to Mm. at this rate. So I started trying to figure out how I could be competitive. Um, and still have my brand voice and things like that. So I actually started off very small. Like I, you know, I was like, okay, how can I start like find a company I can trust and kind of see how this goes, see if the client likes it. So I started off with a corporate event because I feel like corporate events are kind of like everything's clean. It's pretty, you know, straightforward. So I sent my first gallery, which was a corporate event two photographers edit to shout out cold down yet yeah, shout out <laughs> uh, I, I interviewed a lot of companies to kind yeah. of see like what would work for me and it was like oh my gosh did I just deliver that gallery in a week <laughs> you know because I after I get it back I go through it you know you export it you get it in this gallery and I was like wow I got that back really fast and it didn't hurt and no one noticed that it wasn't me <laughs> that yeah. didn't edit this you know and I was like okay that was nice and I kind of like got to enjoy my life. I like kind of just sent it off and it came back and I was like, oh, okay, that wasn't painful at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> Isn't that wonderful to know? Well, and we're going to actually, yeah. I, want, I want to break this down a little bit more systematically in just in just a few minutes um, and, and really kind of not only explore that, that, especially the getting started process, because I think that's one of the things that many, if not most photographers are most apprehensive about. What does it look like to get started and and is it going to be really messy? Is it going to take a bunch of time? We're, we're going to talk about those details here in just a little bit. But yeah. just to kind of bring us back around, I, I think it's really great that you highlight the significance of putting systems in place. And, and again, this is not just about editing. This could be literally anything, CRM, customer relationship management, the communication process that you highlighted. This could be uh, album design processes or administrative processes, various elements of our workflow. Certainly album design, editing, accounting, email management, uh, and again, the list goes on. But putting the systems in place, for those of you listening in who are, are new photographers or relatively new photographers, or maybe you've been in it for a while and you just don't have great systems in place, now is the time. Now is always the time to put those systems in place because what it will do is enable you to scale your efforts over the long run to grow while not getting burnt out simultaneously. And that's really important to note. So thanks for bringing that up, Leslie. And we're yes. going to come back to, to <laughs> delegation of editing here in just a second. Um, but I, I want to talk, and, and fortunately, it's relevant. Uh, I want to talk about time management. Delegation of pretty much anything can be certainly helpful re- with regards to time management. Would you say that that is your technique for time? Is that the thing that enables you to stay balanced? Or are there some other principles at play as well? Well, um, I definitely would say that outsourcing I kind of looked at my business where it's kind of like, I think in the beginning when you're a startup, you're like, I have to do all the things because you're like, I can't afford to pay someone to do this, 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 and all the things that I'm not necessarily good at, like accounting and like blog writing and things like that. But I found that like once I kind of like experimented with outsourcing the first time with 
edits, I kind of was like, well, where else can I do that? Because I, I have two kids and I just was like, um, I want, I started this business to actually spend more time with them. Yeah. And I kind of felt like that was actually the opposite of what was happening. I was like, the, I'm actually seeing them less. I feel like I'm on the road constantly. I'm at my computer constantly. My son's like, well, when you're finished working and then it's like, okay, well now I feel like I'm robbing from him. So I'll just stay up at night while everyone's sleeping and I'll work and I'll just be a zombie in the morning, but I'll be present, right? Like I'll be physically not at the computer, but I'll just, you know, be half dead. And so like, I just found that like, learning to just kind of let go and delegate and kind of be a manager mm. of my business yeah. versus being my own employee yeah. was like super powerful. Like it's kind of like, Oh, okay. So kind of coming at it from like a CEO perspective, instead of being, you know, all like shout out to the company that, you know, nabbed up 17 hats, but you know, like wearing all of the hats that I'm not, I'm not a good accountant. I could took algebra three times. Like I'm not, <laughs> my college eventually said, just take the D like, just That's stop, funny. you know? Um, so like, I'm not a good accountant. I am not, you know, I got in because I'm a good photographer. Like I yeah. don't want to do math. I don't, <laughs> I'm not an English major. Uh, so I don't want to write blogs, but I feel like I can hire I hired a girlfriend that I graduated high school with that has an English major. And I said, these are some outlines of some topics here. Um, Can you write a blog post for me? And she was like, I've been looking for work. And I'm like, great. I got work to give. So I just started kind of finding people that have a passion for that and letting their passion kind of run wild to elevate my brand. I don't like editing pictures per se. I like, you know, editing a couple for like, sneak peeks. But after I've seen like a couple of them, I'm like, that's good. You know? So I'll, I'll outsource that part of my business. Cause being with my kids and my family, which is the reason why I started my business is what I really wanted. And as I started kind of bringing in experts in different fields to come and support my business, I found that I got to be with my family more and enjoy life more and do the part of my business that I like, which is connecting with clients, being that bridesmaid with the camera, communicating. I actually like sales. I love getting on the phone and selling my business to people Yeah, and, and being the photographer. Like those are the parts of my business that I love and that I'm good at. And so when I quit, you know, chipping off parts of me to parts of my business that I don't like, but that are kind of like a necessary evil, I got like, you know, my joy back in my business. I got to enjoy the parts of my business I want to do. I don't wake up and go, Oh God, I gotta, I gotta do the books, you know, um, tax. I don't dread tax season. <laughs> you know, so, well, I, um, I think you've, you've, first of all, you certainly highlighted the fact that your, your major time saving principle is delegation. And I, I want to break this down again in, in a more kind of systematic, more detailed way in just a second. Yeah. I have to ask you one more question though. This is one of my favorite questions. Um, on that we do here on the podcast. And we're going to come back around to, to outsourcing and delegation. By the way, for everybody listening in, to break the fourth wall, uh, when Leslie Ann talked to me about doing this, this podcast. Uh, this was not me reaching out to somebody who uses Photographer's Edit to, hey, will you come sell Photographer's Edit for me on the podcast? <laughs> she was gracious enough, um, first of all, just to, to address the fact that she wanted to talk about 
outsourcing in, in general, the concept of it. This was not even on her part meant to be a promotion of PE. So I just want to put that out there because I know that it would be easy to assume that I, this is a setup for the sake of promoting photographers edit. That was definitely not the case. We have the text messages to prove it or the, the yes. Instagram DMs. <laughs> you did such a wonderful job of just setting us up for this conversation about outsourcing or delegation. Um, I want to I want to kind of let you you take the reins and just run with it uh, because That's brave. It, it's, well, it seems like you couldn't help but talk about it, which I which I love. I know, I'm I know. I'm so like kind of obsessed with systematic approach to conversation, and I love that you were just running with it. So we're gonna find a great mix between the two. But let's let's get back to that topic now. It, for the sake of clarity, for those of you listening in, when we, I know by default, especially when it comes to editing, when we talk about outsourcing, I think a lot of photographers immediately think editing. I'm hand, handing mm-hmm. editing over to somebody else. Uh, but outsourcing, of course, is a general term used in a variety of contexts. What we're really talking about at the end of the day is delegation, which is the idea that we're handing a task or a set of tasks over to someone else or to a third-party company to do that work for us. And on that note, Leslie I'm curious, first of all, just to start with a list of things that you delegate in your business. Okay, awesome. Well, um, I have delegated out editing, of course, um, social media management, okay. and um, blog writing. Obviously, my blog is not live right now. I've switched uh, web services, so I don't currently have a blog up. But I do have. I have used someone to write blog posts. I've also outsourced ad scripts, like um, someone to write copywriting. Yeah. Copywriting. Yes. Um, my website was outsourced to someone. I did not design my website and they outsourced copywriting. So, um, and so and my brand, I outsourced kind of someone to kind of, God bless them, dig through my personality and come up <laughs> with brand colors. And I thought she was like, give me a Pinterest board. I'm like, you've made a mistake. The poor Pinterest board had everything on there. She's like, duh. She she tried her best, and I hope I think she nailed it. Um, <laughs> so That's awesome. I would definitely say I think when um, I first thought I have to outsource, like I have to be someone's sole like income, like I'm hiring someone, but I it's not really that deep. Like I just found people that are can work on a freelance kind of makes an extra income type situation. I sure. think that was one of my biggest kind of fears of kind of starting to delegate. It was like, is this person going to be relying on me to be consistently giving them work? And so it was kind of finding that person that's like, Hey, do you have a need financially to work? I have projects. Do you want to take on some projects? And um, during my busy times. So um, I would just basically outsource some blog posts when I'm really busy in the middle of wedding season, but I know I've got to get these blogs up. I'm like, done is better than not done. Give this to someone who's really good at writing. Let them, let them do this. Let me just take my you know, hand out of it and just let him do the things so that I can do what I do best. And that's connect with my clients. Yeah. I mean, at the end so, of the day, it, it, yeah. it seems like if, if you're out to create a really great experience for your clients, your focus should be how do you connect best with your clients? How do you how do you provide the best possible experience, and and the connection and all associated with that um, seems to certainly seems like it should be a, a priority. I made notes here as you were talking the list uh, of things that you delegate in your business. This is really impressive, actually. Editing, social media management, blog write, blog development or writing, copywriting for ads, website development, brand development. These are all things that you have either outsourced in the past or, or delegated in the past or currently delegating. Mm-hmm. And, and and this is a really great list and a good kind of guideline for those listening in. 
Um, let me ask you this, and it's almost rhetorical, I realize, because I think you've already touched on it, but why do you even outsource anything in the first place? Like, and I really want to kind of get into the notion of joy. You alluded to it earlier, but what is the, the motivating factor for handing these things over to somebody else? Well, when you think about it, I mean, when I first started, I kind of got really bogged down because it was like, okay, when you get advice from people, you're like, how do I grow my social media? Like, you need to post every day for a year. Like, oh my goodness, I have to come up with 365 posts and all the things to say. Like, I, I how am I going to do that? Like, right. I kind of got really bogged down with what do I even say? Um, and so, but then you couple that with bringing in new clients when, you, you know, you're like wearing all of the hats and you're like, I can't literally be all, I started my business after I started a family. So like, I, you know, I'm not sitting in a house by myself. I've got other people who kind of like me a little bit, you know, so they kind <laughs> of want me to join the dinner table. So like, I, I don't like sitting at my computer, to be honest. Like it's really actually very difficult for me. Cause I'm like, when it, like I'm fidgeting in my chair and I'm wanting to start another project. I have a personality where I love to start stuff. I'm a self-starter. Like I like to start projects. I like, I'm horrible at finishing them. And so um, I, I realized that about myself and I'm like, okay, so if I can outline a project that I want to do yeah, and it needs to get done, mm -hmm. I need to bring people into my life that are finishers. Mm. And instead of constantly beating myself up about not being a finisher, like I'm going to find a finisher. My sister, <laughs> she is amazing. She's, um, she's logistic minded. Um, I've brought her in to work with me in a couple of weddings and I just watched her. She's been in the event industry, um, and planned huge corporate events for, she used to work for Chick-fil-A corporate. And so she would do large scale events. And so I brought her in and sort of almost used her like a con consultant, just like, show me how you would logistically handle this event. And I learned from her. And so I brought in finishers in my life that can, take my projects and my ideas and make them happen because sometimes it's, it's not in me to finish. I'm an ideas person and I'm not somebody who can always complete the task. And so kind of learning that about myself and like, do I want to grow my business? Okay. Who do I need in my life to help me get there? And so um, if I can come up with tons of ideas and find people that can execute them in a timely manner, then I can only grow from there. I think that's a brilliant summary, really. I mean, as you put it, first of all, of course, it enables you to be able to, to delegation enables you to spend more time with important people in your life. It also enables you to capitalize on your, what your just natural strength is, which is to, to ideate, to come up with ideas. And then if you, as you put it so brilliantly, if you're able to find people then that can, can execute, um, and you're able to repeat this process over and over again. I mean, again, the scale at which you can, you can build your business or to which you can build your business is pretty astounding to, to consider. I think it's really exciting to consider. Yeah. One, of the, one of the biggest apprehensions, and we're going to actually talk about the biggest challenges you've seen in the process of delegating work to someone else or to another company in just a second. But one of the biggest apprehensions that comes up almost immediately in this conversation about delegation, certainly as it relates to editing, but I would assume with other topics as well, is cost. And, and I understand, especially for a new photographer, that says, you know what, hey, I don't have a lot of cash. I'm not shooting a lot right now. So the idea of spending money right now while I don't have a ton of revenue coming in, um, it doesn't make sense. Or for an existing photographer who says, you know what, I can do this myself and I kind of enjoy it. So why, why would I not do it? Why would I spend the you know, two or $300 to, to send this elsewhere 
when I can just do it myself. How would you respond to these photographers who are concerned about the cost? Absolutely. So it's actually very scalable, I think, outsourcing, because you can really outsource as little or as much of it as you want. Like, for instance, if I wanted to, I could shoot a whole wedding. I'm a, a little bit of an overshooter and I use a second shooter. So easily could have three or 4,000 images per wedding, depending on the length of it. And I could send that all over and just sort of be like, cost isn't a, you know, a factor, you know, but in reality, it, it still is a factor. I have a budget and I've basically said, okay, if I want to incorporate outsourcing in my business, how much do I need to raise my prices to include a certain amount of money? Okay. So I want to say each wedding is going to take 200 or 250 to edit. So what do I need to do? You have um, photographers edit has this really cool tool where you can put how many images you have and how much, how much you want them to call it down. And they can give you like an estimate on what that wedding would cost you to edit. And I love that because I use that tool actually pretty religiously to factor in like what I need to do on my end to meet that cost. So I basically, I pre-call before I send it over because I already looked through the images anyway, because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious, what did we catch? You know, what's going to be a good sneak peek picture. So I pull it into photo mechanic and I call through and I narrow it down to a thousand images because I really can't decide. And I'm like, okay, I'm really tired of looking at this now. I'm going to send this over to photographers edit a thousand images and have them call it down to 600. And I actually really rely on the editors to kind of have a discerning eye mm-hmm. to kind of pick what images I, I put in my special instructions. I'm trying to tell a story, pick the images that tell the story. And they will pick them. And I feel like, cause you know, when you look at something over and over and over again, you're kind of like, am I even seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs> I kind of need a second opinion. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like not only am I not bound to my computer editing photos and doing something that's bogging me down time-wise, I'm actually getting a second opinion on my own images and sort of having someone go through, call it down even more and saying, this, this is what you need to deliver. And I really trust that process now. You know, it, it took me a while to kind of build up trust because I'm like, you know, this person doesn't know me. Are they going to pick the right images? Is this going to look good? But I've delivered several galleries and the clients love it. You know, <laughs> they, they really love what they get back. And it looks like my brand. I actually um, have my own preset that I, you know, put in the system and sure. they edit it the way they want. And, and, and sometimes like they'll come back and I'm like, Oh, that was too bright, you know? And so I literally email and say, this came back a little bright or these, you know, and they go back in and fix it. And so, yeah, you, you're able to, for those of you listening in who are not familiar with the PE system, you're, you're able to create an editing style, uh, which could potentially include a preset as Leslie Ann mentioned. And our team is then editing the order based on that editing style rather than just kind of randomly, uh, editing them, uh, or, you know, even just with a kind of true to life process or true to life style processing the images in kind of a neutral way. A lot of photographers like a stylized image to have a particular mm-hmm. finish to it. And our system enables a photographer to, to have that look, their editing style applied to the images. So that's a little bit of context. But I want to kind of bring it back around to this question, though, about, about mm-hmm. cost less than because you mentioned the importance of budget. And yes. if you're talking about, say, 2 to $250 to, to have a wedding edited, in this case, cold and edited, mm-hmm. um, what, what is it then? Are you just figuring that into the overall budget for the individual wedding? 
Yeah. So when I did my cost of doing business, I basically just factored that into my wedding collection price. So like every single project that I take on now includes the amount for editing, but I set aside a budget so that it's like, okay, I'm not going to spend more than 250 on this project for editing or outsourcing. And um, of course, anything that's above what I outsource is going to be invoiced to the client. So if it has to, you know, any kind of slimming or like Photoshop work, that's all extra cost. But yeah, I factor in like I'm 200 to 250. It's going to be what I set aside for wedding and engagement session editing. And if you're planning that ahead of time, for those of you listening in, like Leslie is pointing out, it's, it just makes it a lot easier. You're not concerned each time thinking about the fact that, Oh no, there's $200 out the door you you can rest yeah. assured that this fits into the budget as you outlined it, Leslie. And, and honestly, this is a whole conversation in of itself. But you talked about cost of doing business. This is something that it, for those of you listening in, if you're not doing already, if you're not clear about the cost of doing business and how that relates to your end goal for the year as far as actual profit margin is concerned, um, time to take a little bit of a step back and, and run those numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really important to be aware oh, of, yeah. of those numbers to begin with. And we've talked about this a bit on the podcast. Uh, maybe Jill can link to an episode or two in the show notes uh, yes. regarding managing finances as a photography business owner. It's super important to get those, those numbers down. It just it alleviates stress and it ultimately enables you to be a proactive business owner, to be a CEO, yeah. like you were saying, Leslie Ann, mm-hmm. and run a profitable business while minimizing stress. It's super important. But let me keep going. Talk to me, first of all, about the biggest challenges you told me before we started that you've got a couple in mind the biggest challenges of outsourcing or delegating work and and again this doesn't have to be specific to editing just in general the concept of delegation of work to somebody else what are the two biggest challenges for you um i feel like a lot of the challenges because i actually um am in a bunch of photography groups where i actually talk about outsourcing and when people are kind of bogged down, they're like, Oh my gosh, I really, I've got so many weddings. I can't get them edited. Um, I need an editor. I need an editor. I see posts like that constantly. And I'm always like photographers edit, like shout out. <laughs> Thank um, you. Because, <laughs> like I'm, I'm like, they're not paying me to say this. Um, I, I love the process and how I've worked it in. And one of the things that I've noticed, not only do photographers just feel like they're just bogged down with edits and, things like that. It's just, I feel like if I outsource, am I like outsourcing my artistry? Like, is Mm. that, am I going to lose my voice as an artist? If I'm having someone else like do, you know, everybody, you know, straight out of camera images, they're, they're all right, you know, but um, like what we do to them after it is what makes us artists versus just photographers. And so it's like, am I losing my artistry by outsourcing? Um, And I would say like, I disagree because you as a wedding photographer are delivering what, like six, 700 images. I know it depends on the photographer and what they're sending out, but that's a, that's a ton of images that you have to deliver and not, not every shot is artistic, you know, like you're taking pictures of like, um, the wet, you know, the, the dinner signing plates. book, you know, dinner <laughs> plates, like all the little things. And it's like, you need a nice finished product sure. and it doesn't always have to be edited in Photoshop, you know? So what I actually do to kind of, um, I edit my own sneak peeks because I like to get them out a little sooner than, um, like I like to get them out, like maybe 24 to 48 hours after the wedding. And so when I'm culling through, I'll go ahead and tag a couple and then I'll go in there and I'll edit 
a few of them, but really specialized and that'll be my artistry. (laughs) And then I send them, but I really feel like the consistency of having someone edit for you with your brand, with your, your preset that you've created. Like, I don't feel like you're losing your artistry, but there are people that find joy in editing and you you can still do that. You know, you could still do your sneak peeks. You can still pull out yours your specialized images that you like set up with your sunset and put them in Photoshop and do that work, do it, you know, but the whole gallery, like save yourself some time and just get it edited because you're bogging yourself down, getting stuck in those little details, you know? So, um, and and I would, I would add to that too, you know, the the idea that giving the work and, and again, we're speaking in this case specifically about editing, but if you're handing over editing work, to an individual, somebody in-house, an intern, an employee, or you're sending it to a company like Photographer's Edit, it's really important to be clear about what it is that you're actually trying to achieve. And I think a lot of the frustration that photographers face in the process of delegation, and this is not specific to editing, it's it's in various realms of delegation. Mm -hmm. If you aren't clear about what it is that you want going to somebody else and asking them to do that thing is going to be super frustrating. You're not clear. So that means that your communication to that person or to that company is not going to be clear. Mm -hmm. The finished product that you get back is likely not going to match what you had in your mind, or at least in your mind at the time that you got the product back. And then it just creates frustration and confusion. So I would actually argue that you can actually maintain as I pointed out earlier, your editing style, your artistry, for those of you listening in, um, you can actually maintain that when you delegate your work, whether it's editing or, or otherwise, um, yeah. and specifically as it relates to photographers edit, because we actually give you the platform to share your editing style with us. We're not, again, we're not just randomly editing the images. We're editing based on the style that you want right. us to edit with. So that enables you to have that finish. The other thing that I would also just kind of put out there, and, and I'm curious to get your take on this too, Leslie, and it, there is... You know, it's, it's a funny thing when we kind of get fixated as photographers on the notion that if we individually are not the ones doing the editing work, that our client's not going to be happy. And I would ask really anyone, think about the, your three favorite brands in the world. They don't have to be photography related. Those brands, when they produce that product or those products or those services that you love so much, do you think that there is only one person involved in the creation of that product or that service? Right. And I would argue that 95 to 98% of the time, it's not the case. There's a team. And it doesn't take away from the value of that particular brand, whether it's the service or the product or just how you perceive it. It's just a simple reality. So the idea that we get fixated on the fact that I, you have a team working with you to, to deliver this service, the service which includes photography, yes, editing, maybe album design, the communication process, the whole experience, the, the idea that we have a team to carry out that process, that somehow that that is less than, um, I think is a massive misnomer. And a lot of photographers are burning themselves out in the process based on this idea that they have to do it all themselves. What, what are your thoughts about that? I think that like, it's not scalable if you're constantly being the only one with your hands in your business and you're, you're becoming your own employee. And so I think people need to take a more creative director approach to yeah. their business. Yeah, the CEO, great. It's like put into words, like vocalize what it is that you're trying to achieve with your edits, with your blog, let people know you, let them understand because there are people that love doing certain aspects that you need, you know, like there's people who love to write and they're good at it 
tell them, tell them your voice, tell them, this is, this is what I want them to, you know, this is what I want to convey and they can write it, you know, like be like vulnerable enough to be able to vocalize what your brand is, who your audience is, like really figure that out and you can find people that can help you deliver that. And it doesn't have to be you, this notion that you're the only person that nobody else can do it is just, it's, you're going to burn out. There's no way you can do all the things and and not burn out or need a vacation or need a breath. And I don't always outsource. Like there's slow parts of my business where I'm like, okay, we've got to keep as much capital in the business as possible. We're floating to March. You know, I don't have a lot of January weddings, so I can work on my business a whole lot more in January and I don't need to outsource then. I I think it's good that you highlight the fact that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition as well, right? That you can selectively Mm -hmm. delegate your work based on season and revenue, the way that revenue flows in your business, certainly making adjustments as you go, that that, that makes sense as well. So again, for those of you listening in, please don't, don't hold back. And again, this is not just about delegating editing, delegation in general, don't hold back because you feel like you have to be all or nothing with it. Try a little bit. Um, and, and see how it works for you, right. adjust the workflow, refine the process, and then try a bit more and add more to that. And that will allow you to kind of slowly work into the process to learn the workflow, to learn how to more effectively communicate, and it'll make it a lot easier. Would you say before we talk specifically about benefits of outsourcing, uh, besides the, the challenge mm-hmm. of outsourcing your art, would you say that there are any other challenges innate to delegation or outsourcing? I mean, I find more benefits than challenges personally, but I find that those are like the two really big ones. Those are like the really big ones. Okay. Well then let's talk about the benefits. Cause that's, that's the fun part anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Love what, what would you say are, are, and, and you mentioned to me ahead of time, three uh, benefits in particular, what, what are the three biggest benefits of outsourcing or delegating? Um, obviously uh, more time with my family or for myself, um, just more time back. Um, I would definitely say being able to introduce experts into my business of different fields and um, being able to really focus on what I love the most about my business and being able to focus a lot more time into those, into those aspects where my business. I love it. Okay. So more time, Um, uh, the the benefit of introducing experts, Mm -hmm. people that heaven forbid might be better at something than you. Um, and your business, I, I think, I yeah. think it's funny. I think maybe you said this to me before we started recording, but you talked about the, the ego, right? Like the, the idea that we kind of have to give up yeah. ego in order to accept the notion that somebody might be better at this than, than we are. <clears throat> I, I think that we have to be yeah. okay with that. Um, because we have so much ego tied up, in fact, in our photography businesses, uh, it can be very easy then to hold on to as much of it as possible. And as a result, we're burning ourselves out, like you were pointing out, Leslie, and, and then focus as well. Mm-hmm. Focusing on the things that you enjoy. Now, I'm curious to get your take on this because one of the kind of pushbacks or arguments, especially when it comes to delegating editing, is I enjoy editing. You, you'll hear this from photographers. I enjoy editing. So I'm going to outsource the other things that that I don't enjoy as much, and I'm going to hold on to the editing. And while I get the thought process, um, very much in fact, the the apprehension that I have, and I want to get your take on this, Leslie, and the apprehension I have is that editing is in, in 90, 95% of cases, the most time consuming element of running a photography business, especially for a wedding photographer, spending you know, 12, 16, 20 yes. hours editing just one wedding times 20, 30 weddings a year, whatever it is. So how would you respond to this? Is there some kind of a compromise somewhere? Because I feel like those photographers who argue against delegating editing because they enjoy it are kind of shooting themselves in the foot a bit. Oh yeah. I mean, how do you really 
I mean, if you enjoy editing, then I mean, what parts of your business do you not enjoy and look at outsourcing opportunities there? I mean, yeah, I, I do think that editing is very super time consuming, obviously, because, you know, I'm trying to watch friends, <laughs> but, um, you know, well, but I, I guess, when, <laughs> so, when you say, um, but so outsource the things that you enjoy, I guess what I, what I struggle yeah. with there though, is I know that on an average, um, and again, I'm just gonna take wedding photographers as an example, wedding photographers are going to spend 16 yeah. to 20 hours, um, probably on average at the minimum 12 to 16, but on average, probably closer to that 16 to 20 hour mark editing a wedding. So the question that I would then ask is, all right, if you're going to hold on to editing, you know, spending a week to two weeks, because when I talk to photographers and I ask them how long it takes to edit a wedding, it's not normally in the number of hours. It's like how many days or how many weeks. So if they're going to spend a week to two weeks editing right. a wedding. I'm curious if they are going to hold on to that, then what else in their business could they delegate that would save them that much time? And that's where I think this kind of the, the, the argument of holding on to the thing because right. you enjoy it falls apart. You're holding on to the thing that you enjoy, but at the same time, you're losing literally a week's worth of, or at least half a week's worth of time in some cases, because you're holding on to that editing work. Well, I, um, I have two points to make to that really, Please. because it's like, well, one, like the social media content that you can create content style shoots, whatever it is that you're putting on sure. your Instagram, take time and really be an artist in those aspects. Those forward yeah. facing pictures of your website and yeah. your Instagram really make those special. And you can give those to clients as well. But I mean, the whole, like 600 images per wedding times four five, six weddings a month. I mean, yes. there's a, it's time consuming for you to bleed that much artistry into that many galleries. But I mean, really, if you think about it, what is it that customers and clients really want? They want their pictures. Yes. They hired you because they love your images, but really what is your brand? What is your business? It's you. And so I, I tend to focus more on how I make my clients feel because if you go Mm. to your wedding um, or, you know, if you're so rude to your clients and you're, you're, you give them a horrible experience. It doesn't really matter how great your images are. They're only going to remember how you made them feel when they look at them. They're like, that photographer was pushy. This, this, if you're so stressed out, bled out of your business and you're not actually being the person your clients need you to be because you're just dry and you're overworked, then your brand is suffering because I feel like you're just mm. not putting the time in where it matters. Mm, like mm-hmm. that there's communication. So if communication isn't your strong suit, I would say get with a consultant, get with a virtual assistant, get with someone who can help you improve that process so that when they are looking at your images, they're like, well, that was a good experience from top to bottom because it's not just about pictures. Well, and what's interesting about how you make them feel, I mentioned this in the podcast before, but I shot weddings for over 10 years. And the number of times that I had clients or family or friends of clients um, come up to me during an event before they'd seen any images and, and rave about how wonderful a photographer I was, is, it was quite incredible, right? They've not seen one yeah. image. I haven't right. spent hours applying Lightroom presets and touching up and <laughs> nothing. How right. they felt about me, to your point, Leslie, and how they felt about me had everything to do with the experience that I gave them in my presence there, the kindness, the engagement, the attention to detail, whatever it might've been. But the experience that I gave them in person had nothing to do with any images because they hadn't seen them yet and they were already excited. So we have to keep that in mind. But I want to go back to the other point which you, which you made, which is so, so important here, which is, again, this doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition. You right. might love editing. That's awesome. And in fact, 
um, heaven forbid me, the editing company owner who is talking about the importance <laughs> of delegation. I actually impl- enjoy playing around in Lightroom, getting a new preset, applying it in the, and, and, and kind of dialing things in, figuring out what looks good. I enjoy that. I just know that in the scheme of things, my big picture goals that sitting in front of a computer editing for hours and hours and hours don't support those goals. And if, if what you want to do in life is literally spend half of your work week on a regular basis sitting around in front of a computer, if that enables you to reach your big picture goals as an, as an individual and a business owner, I, well, we need to have a conversation. But secondly, I, I, you're, you're missing out because there's so much more to be had in life and certainly in business than sitting in front of a computer doing busy work. The cool thing is, and Leslie Ann pointed this out, you can, there's a compromise there. You can focus on the highlight images that go to the blog or maybe the, you know, the 10 or 15 images you're going to push out in social media over time. Those images, go ahead and process them. And the, one of the cool things about um, the photographer's edit workflow is a number of our clients, they'll actually process those upfront images, if you will, whether it's for the blog, social media, or otherwise. They'll keep those images in the catalog and they'll flag them so that when they send us that Lightroom catalog, they'll tell our team, hey, use these images as reference. So now, in addition to maybe any notes that they'd already put in their their style profile in their account at Photographer's Edit, our team also has a visual representation of what that photographer is going for with this particular event or this particular portrait session because they took the time to go ahead and process a few images. So you can do that. You can get your your outlet for processing, for editing, enjoy that process. But to Les Land's point, you don't have to do it with 600 images or even 200 images. You can just do it with 10 or 15, maybe 20. And you kind of have the best of both worlds. I love that you highlight that compromise. Yes, yes. So I, I'm curious as we as we finish up here, uh, talk to me about the amount of time that you would say you save on average in a year delegating your editing work in particular, because I, I know that we just highlighted this, but this is some of these numbers that I hear are kind of mind boggling to me. What did you spend on average per wedding editing in the past? Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't even know. You know, I'm not a math person. So, and I lose track of time. Because um, <laughs> you're watching friends. <laughs> I'm watching friends. I've probably lost hours upon hours. I guess the better question time. in this case would be like, how many yeah. episodes of friends <laughs> does it take to edit a wedding? <laughs> I, I know, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that I have, I could spend probably eight to 10 hours on a wedding just sure. because of being distracted and, and getting up and having to close down Lightroom. I mean, I mean, I was even experiencing Lightroom bugs on my computer and I was just getting so frustrated. I'm like, I'm the fact that I literally am not doing that anymore. It makes me want to grow my business. I think I was spending so much time. I was scared to grow Mm -hmm. my business Mm -hmm. because I was like, I don't know if I can take on this is, you know, I would put up on my dry erase board. This is, you know, my goal amount of weddings. And it's like this year I reached that. I I was like, I remember when I thought, oh my gosh, if I could just sell that many weddings, I would be super happy. Now I'm like doubled that. You know, it's like, I, it's because I'm not scared to grow it now. It's Mm. not because I don't, I have the time to give back to the clients to invest. I'm like, okay, I can't do more than this many weddings because I can't give everybody the attention that I'm advertising, that this is a boutique experience. You're going to get, you know, my full attention. I can't take on that many clients and still do all the things. Now I was able to double that and still maintain that same level of business because I'm not editing pictures. Brilliant. So. Well, and, and just a little side note and shall we say major bonus, you also get to spend time with your kids, right? Yeah. I love them. They drive me even more crazy. Now, you know, just, <laughs> <laughs> I get to focus on that and, you know, play video games with my son. It's there you I, go. I, what I video games it. do you play? 
Okay, there's this little game called Pikmin 3. I don't know. It's on the Wii U. Okay. Um, yeah, we have a really old system. We have Ataris and all kinds of stuff hey, like that. Hey, Wii, so. Wii is the best. <laughs> do you do, you do Wii bowling? Oh, no, we don't have that one. Um, oh, we're you're really into out. like Mario and Mario Party. And yeah, we're big Mario fans. We've named our dog Yoshi. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to, my, so I mentioned earlier that, that Jill um, is going to be producing the book of podcasts. We break the fourth wall. And in fact, we'll probably bring Jill on to do uh, an interview at some point. But Jill's actually my girlfriend as well. And one of the things that we've spent a lot of time doing in the evenings, it sounds super funny. But Jill and I have spent endless hours at this point playing Wii Bowling. Um, and it's, it's, it gets really fun. It gets even more fun when you start to, to like, you have a, a bet where there's shots of alcohol involved for, <laughs> for each frame lost. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> it gets even more interesting. But in all seriousness, it's a really fun game. My parents have gotten into the game as well. It's just, it's a ton of fun. So if anybody out there has has not played Wii Bowling before. You can probably get a Wii now for like, what, 80 bucks online on eBay oh, or something yeah. like that? Oh, yeah, like they're super, super affordable. Um, oh, I love it. So much fun. I mean, but do you feel like, I don't know if you're really a good bowler in person, but Wii Bowling makes me feel like I'm a really good bowler. A rock and it star. It does not transfer to real life. Just <laughs> nope. putting that out there. It does not. <laughs> That's super funny. Uh, well, I, this has been, a, I think, a really, not only enlightening conversation, but a practical conversation conversation, Leslie. And I want to highlight, first of all, the fact that you, you kind of reached out to me and said, Hey, I want to talk yes. about this. So I, it's super gracious of you to, to do so. And certainly to give photographers at it a shout out multiple times, but for our listeners who are kind of on the fence about outsourcing or delegating, certainly they're editing, but just in general, I hope that you found this conversation helpful Make sure that you follow Leslie Ann on Instagram. And if you've got questions for her, I'm sure she'd be open to, um, I'm, I'm speaking for you now, Leslie Ann. Oh yeah, please. I'm I sure you'd friends. be open to answering questions. <laughs> uh, but for those of you listening, if you go to Brackney, B-R-A-C-K-N-E-Y photo on Instagram, we'll link to that in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. And of course you can check out Leslie Ann's website as well, brackneyphoto.co and uh, follow what she's doing online. Thanks, thanks so much for making time for all of us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.